don't don't make books in the early 2000s. No, it's I too won't. hard. Well, that ruins what I was going to yeah. do 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Flux. I'm Ben McKenzie. Welcome to Pratchett, the monthly Terry Pratchett Book Club podcast. Each month we discuss one of Terry Pratchett's books with a special guest. This month we're reading Where's My Cow, a moving story of father and son. <laughs> and our guests are the hosts of our sibling podcast, The Truth Shall Make Ye Fret, Joanna Hagen and Francine Carroll. Welcome, Joe and Francine. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much for inviting us. It's so nice to see you again. It is nice to do a collaboration. Coming in all the way from the past. Yes, <laughs> into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so soon after Daylight Savings changes as well. What even? Oh, time is a flat circle. What's time? Let's not even go into it. <laughs> I assume that's what led to the confusion. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's so, di- it's so weird because like it should be 10 hours, mm. but it's never 10 hours. It's yeah. either nine or 11. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Look, we had a 50, 50 chance. See, this is the problem when you just remember things. Mm. You should yeah, never remember things. No, never. You should just rely think- on outsourcing your brain to the computer. Always. <laughs> I think we should blame Lobsang. That's his fault. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's been contracting and stretching time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so what this did he give sense. us extra hours for and where did he take them from? Let's not ask. Let's mm. not. Yeah. We don't want to know. No. Someone was having a good time somewhere. (laughs) Wow, that flew. (laughs) How are you both? Pretty well, yeah. Yeah. Yep, we're good. We've had a a nice Saturday. We we met up for coffee earlier. Oh, very nice. And uh, now we're meeting up for coffee again. (laughs) But on the internet. (laughs) Yes, and at 10 o'clock at night, which is a terrible idea, but cheers. (laughs) Yeah, I should absolutely not have just downed a coffee. (laughs) I mean, it's a perfect time of night to discuss a book for very small children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that reading through this picture book will make me want to sleep afterwards, you know? It's the long form version there you of go. reading a bedtime story. Yeah, this is literally Francine's mm. bedtime story. <laughs> Don't get her excited about Dimbler, guys. I'll never get her off to sleep. Okay. Bug lit. <laughs> and so forth. Okay, we won't do that. We How won't. are you guys? Are you well? Yeah, pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I won't talk about this too much on the podcast. I have just moved house literally uh, yesterday and the day before, <laughs> but I'm here now in the new space and um, I'm recording a podcast, so yeah. things can't be too bad. Yeah. <laughs> For those of out. you who can't see it, Ben's new space looks suspiciously like his old space, but without furniture. So before this, we were discussing whether he's actually moved or if he's just doing a really elaborate like bit. Just put a false moustache on the got- wall at the back, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got a much shorter ceiling. That that much I'm noticing. It's it's pretty much the same. I'm looking. I'm looking around the room now. I don't know why I've been here before. Uh, yes, because you lived here. there for several years. No, stop, stop, stop this rumor. It's I have a really moved. fun conspiracy uh, rumor going all in. I've changed my address in several places. I don't want them thinking. You know, the post office can redirect yeah. things. Yeah. 
Uh, although, actually, speaking of things from the post office, we got some very special mail from both the Discord Emporium and Waterstones. Mm. We bought some of the fancy Ooh. books. Oh. So uh, I'm going to film a little unboxing when I open those boxes. I say. Because we've, nice. got, we've got the uh, Done Manifestin edition of the Ultimate Discworld. Ooh, campaign. nice. That is fancy. That is very fancy. That's a fancy it's book. It's very fancy. I'm excited. Um, I'm a little bit worried about whether or not they'll be intact, having seen some horror stories from some other people, but we'll oh. see. We'll see how we we'll go. We'll make for a more exciting unboxing if it's like, you know, on fire. <laughs> I do yeah, love it. one of those horrible dramatic thumbnails of like a... Hands on face, screaming. <laughs> That's engagement. That's engagement. Yeah. Mm. It's a hook. On the other hand, you know, ruined book. Yeah. But. Mm. <laughs> and life, uh, I meant to deal with it. Yeah. Well, look, we, uh, we have this, it's so lovely to have you as guests on the show. It's nice to do this collaboration. We thought this was going to be a bonus episode. So we, we came up with a special bonus episode hashtag, which was a makey chat. Yeah. To try and get some questions about this book and just for us in general. Also, then things didn't quite work out that way. So now it's also just our 62nd episode uh, <laughs> of the show. Um, which I have to say, I've been campaigning for an episode about this book since the beginning. I was like, initially as a joke, but I was like, yeah, it's, a, it's a proper it's book f- on its own. Like literally the beginning, listener. <laughs> Are you going to do World of Pooh? Yeah. Ooh, we oh, have we'll do that. now. <laughs> no, we've got, I've got a copy. We can do it. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the World of Pooh. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this one as number one and that one as number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Should have known. But no, literally from the beginning, because when we did our episode zero, we were like, what are we going to talk about for episode zero? We wanted to be short. And this was like, we should do Where's My Cow? It's a children's book. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Uh, but then I couldn't get a copy in time. Now we're doing it now, which is great to tie in with our, our Thud trilogy. Uh, if you haven't listened, we did uh, an episode about Thud the board game. We've done an episode about Thud the book, which we will try not to spoil too much or talk about very much because I know you, Joe and Francine, have not read it or reread it. Our podcast has your show it. yet. So thank you. We have warned yeah. our listeners that this yeah. might spoil it a tiny bit. Yeah. Only a little. Yeah. Only a little bit. I mean, you're not far off though. How many, you know, a few books away? We, yet? we have Amazing Morris next month. I think I was looking at the schedule for next year and we're spreading things out a bit. So I think we're hitting Thud at the end of next year. So we're a year away. Oh, okay. You've timed Amazing Morris well. Joanna's spreading it out as much as possible, and I've just kind of agreed bit by bit, but I think she's trying to make it so I can never stop doing the podcast. Yeah, no, I'll just be really sad, because <laughs> obviously if we didn't have the podcast, we'd never see each other. That's true, yeah. Have you talked about what you'll do for the end of the show? Do you have a plan? Will you just stop? Will you do something else? No, not exactly. We've got, the, we've got the long earth somewhere in there. We don't know when. We um, want to talk about long earth. Like, there are we other might books. start something else entirely. Kind of depends where we are with like career Life. and that. Joanna's embarking on a whole new career. Yeah. But whenever I try and talk true. about it seriously, she bursts into tears. So what can we do? Yeah. No, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, but that's right though. You, Joanna, you're working on a, a book at the moment. I am. I'm writing a book. I'm roughly halfway through writing a book. It's terrifying. It's about friends. Is that right? Am I uh, remembering this right? Friends and the golden age of American sitcoms. So it's kind of breaking oh. apart Friends season by season, but looking at like the whole history of sitcom in that decade and why Friends is kind of the one that survived it. How wow. long has it taken yeah. you to write half of it and when can I read it? Uh, <laughs> and it's a crime to ask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I signed the contract back in July and my deadline is July next year. So it'll be out sometime after July next year. Nice. 
All right. Well, I will Very put in cool. my eyes immediately. So you can, uh, okay. you I, I can was, yeah. infer from that that Joanna is really quite sickeningly fast at writing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was kind of like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I haven't had to do much else recently. And also there's no guarantee that this first draft is any good. I'm basically just throwing things at the wall. Yeah. yeah. It'll get good yeah. later. I'm still at the point where yeah. first craft is good. I'm going to come to England and and just sort of just weep in front of you. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I love it when women do that, <laughs> especially if it's transcontinental. <laughs> no, the draft is still at the phase where there are paragraphs that end in just square brackets, capital letters. This is shit. Rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, what's the swearing rule on this one? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I should have oh. checked that first. Encourage. Oh, no, totally. You can swear. That's fine. We're an Australian podcast. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) One doesn't like to assume. All right. So let's talk about a children's book. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Should we talk about a children's book? Veering back into PG. I mean, we usually, we do read the blurb. I feel like I've got to read the whole back cover for this one because there is a blurb, but also there's some great reviews. Which are also called blurbs. And one of which I think about most days. It's very confusing. Is there not an industry-specific term to differentiate the bit on the back of the book that tells you what the book is about and the bit on the back of the book, which is what other people think about it? Yeah, well, they're technically like author endorsements, but they still get called blurbs, which is ridiculous because we we can have as many words as we want. Why would you have one word for two different things? But yeah. Agreed. Colloquially, they're called blurbs, even if it's just like a whip smart tour to force through like the history of the blah, which, yeah. you know. I usually end up calling them testimonials, even though I know that's not correct. It kind of is. Well, I mean, blurbs mm. is correct, but it's incorrect. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yes, well, <laughs> uh, All of us just quietly seething there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be angry at the language for a minute. <laughs> I mean, it is a very stupid language that we have all. Mm. I was going to say chosen to speak, but we didn't really choose that. <laughs> I did that. not opt uh, in for this. There's no grammar. Right. We choose every day not to take the vow of silence, which we should really <laughs> commit to. Yeah. We, we could stop speaking it. That's, that's an available option to us. It would make life interesting as a okay. podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, my partner does listen to podcasts in Finnish sometimes, and that's quite Ooh. fun to listen to because it's, I know like maybe three words of Finnish, like literally just mm. three. So every now and then I'll hear a word and go, oh. And then the rest of the time I'm like, it's talking. I don't know what they're saying. Cool. <laughs> Could be anything. Is all one of the words? No. Anyway, uh, shall we read the blurb for uh, Where's My Cow? Which is very pleasing. Uh, look, I I know that listeners can't see this, mm. but I'm just going to hold it up. Do you know if I have a physical copy or have you, some of you got a digital Somewhere. One? I've got a digital, digital one in front of me, which I Same. managed to at- obtain. And then looking at all the illustrations, I was like, I own this book. I know I own this book. I've seen all this in depth so many times, but I don't know where. It might be my mum's house, so. Mm. I thought I owned mine. I might have questions about this later because, as I discovered, I have the US edition, Uh which I think is identical, but you never know. All right. The blurb. This is a book about reading a book, which turns into a different book, but it all ends happily. Spoilers. (laughs) Can't believe we just ruined that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderfully instructive, says Tuppence Swivel, the Times of Ankh-Morpork. Pork. And are we not all, in some way, <laughs> looking for our cow? 
which is uh, the opinion of Brian Yeast from the Ankh-Morpork Pork Literary Gazette and Paradigm Shifters Monthly. I think I actually say that. He's truly gone full brass eye for this one, hasn't he? That's Tuppence yeah. and Brian Yeast are fantastic names. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that someone else knows what Brass Eye is. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yes, those are very Brass Eye names. <laughs> now, there's one I don't want to quote on a podcast. <laughs> no, no. Listen, if you are over the age of 18 and uh, no, yeah. I, I won't recommend a blanket. There's no blanket recommendation <laughs> for it. You need It was a thing of its time and very clever, but maybe not revisitable. Anyway, um <laughs> We're not here to talk about Brass Eye. We're at the opposite end of the literary <laughs> and entertainment spectrum as we talk about Where's My Cow? That is how you define literature. It's either Where's My Cow or Brass Eye. Yeah. That is the spectrum. <laughs> That's our new spectrum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, so it is a picture book. And for the benefit of the Truth Shall Make You Fret listeners who haven't got up to this book yet, it is a book that appears in the book, Thud, for reasons that will become obvious as we go through what the plot of this is. But we'll try not to say too much more about it than that. It's not a serious spoiler for that, I don't think, as long as we don't mention anything apart from what happens in this book. But having said that, this is not the book that is in the book, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm. Yeah, uh, because this book also has this book in it, <laughs> or that book in it. Both of them have the Discord version of Where's My Cow inside them. Although the really weird thing is that when you see Sam Vimes who is in this book because he reads it to his um, son, young Sam, when he's taking it off the shelf, mm-hmm. it's the it looks exactly the same as the one that you are currently holding, including the fact that it says it was written by Terry Pratchett. <laughs> and illustrated by Melvin Grant. And the sticker. It's very weird. It is Inception, basically. The fourth walls smashing all over the place. You can even see the blurb on the back of it. Yeah. And yeah, it's got the, that sticker on the front, which I should say, it looks like one of those, um, you know, Carnegie. Children's Book Award yeah. medallions, yeah. like a Carnegie. What's the Australian one, Liz? What's the one we have? I should know that, but I don't. There's a Scholastic one. I think it's just, or they used to be. No, because like, we used to have Inky year. ones as well, but that's gone now too. This is, this, this is where I'm showing my age. This is the book award that I'm remembering didn't exist by the time Liz was reading <laughs> kids' books. But yeah, that one says the uh, uh, winner of the Ankh-Morpork Book Librarians Award uh, or children's winner, and it's got ook written on it with a couple of bananas, which is quite mm. nice. Clearly a very distinguished <laughs> award. And it is described on the cover. Uh, it says, where's my cow? And then underneath it says, a Discworld picture book for people of all sizes, which is yeah. quite nice. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they're trying to let mm. you in on the secret. It's not just for kids, this. No. no. <laughs> I do quite like that he's effectively given himself and his book a children's award, considering like, if you read Rob's book, he was really quite <laughs> resentful of being put up for awards. He wasn't definitely going to win. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I guess he feels like a fake one is fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, de- he was definitely going to win this one unless he had some type of terrible existential crisis. That's true. But it's also like, again, it's his thing of ribbing on the whole system as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Had he won he, any of the children's book awards? Because he won, he won the one he for would have Nation. won by this point. He won, he won the one for Amazing Morris, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That was oh, the yeah, one that, I think where yeah. he took a bite out of the. Yeah, metal. they prearranged yeah. something with a chocolate coin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the chocolate coin for the medal. That was so good. Sorry, listener, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, these are stories from the official biography, mm. which has bits of notes Auto. from the autobiography that wasn't finished. Yeah, which is uh, a life with footnotes, which we will talk about. 
You've talked about it already with Mark Burroughs, yes. author of the other biography. Yeah, we thought we'd get a biographer on him to talk about it. Yeah. Genius. Absolutely. Uh, but this book, unlike the biography, is a picture book, so mm-hmm. it's got illustrations. What a segue. But not by either of the regular Discworld illustrators. They're by this guy, Melvin Grant. Yeah. Have we seen his art before? Not that I recall. He's not done any other Discworld. Not di- yeah. What's it? No, he hasn't. Um, he certainly loves drawing a juicy behind, doesn't yeah, we, he? Yeah, I had a quick look at his website earlier <laughs> and uh, choices were made for that website. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you looked at his website? No, but um, can I open it at work? Is that... Is oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, absolutely. Do. Okay. It's, uh, it's just melgrant.com. Right. <laughs> M-E-L-grant.com. It is yeah. beautiful. Is he primarily a children's illustrator? Because like some yeah. of the pictures on his website is like, he's got monsters I think he does stuff. quite yeah. a lot of fantasy. No, I think he's, he's mm. well known for his Iron mm. Maiden artwork, apparently. Um, oh. and he does, yeah, just general fantasy. There's one gallery here called Erotic Fantasy, um, which isn't like it's fine. It's safe for work. It's nothing compared to what you see on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> right, sure, good because I, I do like to be able to open a folder called Erotic Fantasy in my workplace and know that it's yeah. not going to be weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been. There. Don't worry, it's only semi-erotic, <laughs> boss. <laughs> I'm not sure Sammy is the one. <laughs> no, I'm going to stop there. That was a terrible joke. No, but I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Good. Huh. But yes, this is the person who's illustrated this picture book for children. But I have to say, beautifully. Mm-hmm. I love these illustrations. They are lovely. Yeah. And the first one on the title page is Sam Vimes sitting on a seat with young Sam, who is tight, like, I think a little too small. I don't think they've got the proportions of what a baby old enough to be read books should look like. Like, he must be nearly a year old. And he can stand. It's the proportions, because they've made his head almost proportional to his body, like a bigger person, an older child, rather. Or like an adult. Um, But they've made him small. Mm. It's like they've shrunk an older child. I'm just going to say, I find him frightening. Yeah, it's a bit haunting. But I'm not very maternal, is that? <laughs> He's got the weird centre part. He's like a baby that has the motion of a toddler, but mm. also the proportions of an adult and also the haircut of a prison guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does have the curl. He's got the same curl as his dad. That is, is quite nice cute. Touch. In the middle of his forehead. Yeah, but like who's cutting his hair to have like shaved at this? Like who's doing the like the reverse furrow tuck on him? Oh, yeah. Sybil. Mm. But why? Because I mm. would have thought she'd try and get him to have the same sort of haircut as Sam, because that'd be like cute. Ah, uh, but I bet she tries to do it herself, and she's not very good at it. Yeah, yeah, it's like her knitting and her darning. Yeah, like she means well. That's a haircut that's been gone up a centimeter at a time as she tries to even it out. That's what's happening there. <laughs> Head cannon. All right, I reckon I'm into it. <laughs> it's relatable, okay. and why I ended up with a shaved head in lockdown. Proper head cannon, <laughs> <laughs> or like a bowl that's not the right size. Yeah, <laughs> like it started to kind of slip off a bit, and then you're trying to tilt it back the other way. The plate, <laughs> I love it. I had some interesting fringes as a toddler, but <laughs> I had very curly hair when I was. Yeah, I mean, I still do, but it was yeah. really intensely curly. I I don't even know if I had. I think they just sort of cut the edges off the curls, and it was fine back Pr- then. Pruned it like topiary. <laughs> yeah, like a bush. I I also had very curly hair as a child, and they did that to me. Mm. It was just like mm. let's just get rid of the worst <laughs> of it, and then hope for the best. Just leave it there. Everyone thinks they're cute. While we're on this page, and speaking of haircuts, we should also talk about Sam Vimes in this book mm. because. He's wearing watch uniform, 
And as Pratchett has said online, like he, he always imagines Sam Vimes as like a young Pete Postlethwaite. Mm. That is exactly what he looks like in this book. Yeah. Yep. Which I think is amazing. I, I think that must have been the brief. Yeah. For this one, I yeah. reckon. Or maybe he'd already said mm. it by that point and Melvin Grant was able to pull that in. Work from that. But yeah, yeah. It definitely. Yeah, I think he had said that. The, Pete Postlethwaite was still alive when this book came out. So, Ooh, how weird um, of him. <laughs> I, don't, I wonder if he ever saw it and what he thought of it. If he saw he, it. It's not on the cover, so he'd have to have his attention drawn to or already be a Terry Pratchett fan who gets this book and then mm. is like, oh, it, it me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine him being a Terry Pratchett fan. Yeah, I'd believe it. I mean, not that I know much about what he was like. I just really enjoyed him as a performer. Yeah. You don't have to know what he's it. like. You can just yeah. imagine it. Yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Who's going to argue? If you want to imagine him being a Terry Pratchett fan, no one's right. going to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> to your brain. Great. <laughs> Who's going to know? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> oh, shit. No, yeah, we're talking. About, yeah, got it. Yeah. Got to get used to that. <laughs> it's like that tweet that went around. It's like, you know, you can just imagine a cow spinning in your head any time. No one can stop you. It's free. <laughs> Why would you? That is true. It's my favorite. <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> why would you make me do there that when is. I was supposed to be focusing on this book? And the end of that sentence. <laughs> well, now you know where your cow is. <laughs> Problem solved. You've always got your cow in some way. <laughs> I'm helping. Uh, we're, but we're all searching for the cow inside. Um, I mean, also there's a dragon under the seat, which is something. This is not a spoiler for Thud, but this is something mentioned in Thud. Yeah. There's a dragon, like a swamp dragon, that likes to sleep under his bed. And they mention it, and then it never gets mentioned again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which was a shame, because I was really hoping that dragon would come back. I thought there was a subplot that got cut out. That's my personal theory. Yeah. I like that theory. But I'm glad to see the dragon here. It's a nice detail. I could even take a little guess at what the subplot might have been, but obviously I went on this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To get back to Sam Senior, he's wearing sort of the under uniform, because like in some of the other scenes... You can see there's a breastplate and a helmet kind of and stuff like that, but he's not wearing that. He's still just sort of, he's taken the armor off and he's just wearing a very brown yeah. uh, uniform of the Ankh-Morpork City watch. A very like softened edges. That's probably quite good camouflage. It's like it's a metaphor in some mm. way. Like he comes home and he takes his armor off. Yeah. But not just literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's off the armor mm. inside. Hmm. <laughs> Also, they've got these sort of leather, like, I assume they're leather, like pleats or strips, yeah. like hanging down in a skirt. Like, kind of, like, if you imagine Xena warrior princess's skirt. Mm. You can a- picture Xena spinning around in your head. No one can stop you. <laughs> <laughs> they better not. It's kind of like that. It's like a skirt, but it's like, I don't know what the technical term for that is. Flat We were talking about this yesterday, weirdly enough. Diana and I, because of uh, Cohen described as wearing a kilt and he was wearing um, a tiny leather kilt, troll, whatever, yeah, troll bridge, yeah. Troll bridge. Well, in some of the illustrations in this, it looks like it's it's pleats, but in other ones, it looks like it's these sort of the individual straps, and then they've got a couple of metal studs mm. on them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what practical mm. purpose um, it serves, but I've seen that kind of costume in other fantasy sort of illustrations, but I don't know what it's called. If you're an expert in uh, medieval armor. But anyway, that's what he's mm-hmm. wearing. <laughs> Could be uncomfortable to sit on those metal studs, I think. So I hope they're easy mm. to flip up behind. But like, you could, yeah, flip up and yeah, sit down. Like tails, yeah. Yeah, because he's got trousers on underneath yeah. them. No, it's still it pressed through. Clear. Like he doesn't got, as I talked about earlier, and I'm sorry, I'm going to keep coming back to this. The illustrator doesn't shy away from drawing a round butt 
So mm-hmm. if he thought that Vimes had one, he would have illustrated he's got a flat one and those would definitely dig in. Mm-hmm. This is not where I just know my notes. <laughs> well, that's true, but I, I'm imagining it's kind of like a tailcoat when you sit down at piano, you sort of flick it behind the, yeah, but, the seat. But they don't have, like, studs in them, so if you sat on them, they'd hurt you, but you, if you can flip them up, then it's fine. Yeah. 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 I think we'll move on from the skirt. I just want people to get a picture, because it is. A, it, we don't see this much detail mm. of the regular watch uniform, certainly not without the sort of breastplate and the helmet on, and it is a slightly different look for it. I mean, the, the basic pieces are kind of the same, and I think that's because they keep getting mentioned in the books, yeah. so you kind of got to stick to the description. Yeah. But, yeah. Can I just – one more thing on the skirt, sorry. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> How I think it works is that there's thick leather, like, straps hanging mm-hmm. down with the, mm-hmm. the metal bolts on them, and then in between are, like, triangles of, like, a thinner, more flexible leather that go behind that are uh-huh. possibly bolted in place by the metal bolts because uh. then you still have movement. yeah. Of the thing, but then also the protection. If someone like jabs you with a sword, having even like a flimsy leather would potentially deflect it off a little mm. bit or stop it from jabbing all the way through because there are a lot of major blood vessels in that area. So it would make sense to try yeah. and protect that. Just one extra layer. Yeah. Yep. I see that. Yeah. So uh, that's my theory on how that works. I support that theory. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or even possible like chain mail in between to make it sort of delicate thing so you can still move, but mm. yeah, a layer behind of plate. Mm. Cool. All right, that's my skirt there. And this is, I mean, it's what in Dungeons and Dragons terms you would call a studded leather, yes. which in real life wasn't just leather with metal studs on it. Like the studs, if they were there, had a purpose. So I, I like your explanation a lot. Yeah, they were effectively riveting for holding things together. Hmm. Yeah. So the unstudded leather is basically falling apart armor. That's good to know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's why we go yeah. for the troll hide front scene. Not in this universe, Joanna. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, God, sorry. We- <laughs> Sorry, we've been playing Valheim. We mean those trolls, not Discworld trolls. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Phew. Because there's a great picture of a troll we're going to get to. We should get into the story. Yeah. I mean, it's very simple. There's not much to say. We can talk about each two-page spread, I guess, Mm. because it's very short. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a children's picture book. But the first one is a a shot of... um, Is this Vimes on this first two-page spread where the story starts in the front I think so, because they have one later, but I can't recognize him when later they're like... To spoil the book. He's like, that's my daddy. And I'm like, is it? Is it? I can't quite tell. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he's got the helmet on very low, like it's sitting right above his eyes. He's in sort of this dimly lit, looks like it must be like a dwarf basement. Um, cause yeah. it's quite, it's not very tall. Like the two human watchmen are like crouched down. Uh, and there's some dwarfs looking at each other angrily, like they're about to start something, um, which mm. is beautiful. I love these dwarfs. They're so cool. One in the background is just quaffing. Yeah. Oh, no, he's, he's chugging. <laughs> he's like, oh, there's going to be a fight. Better finish my beer. <laughs> finish it before you spill it. No one's going to hold my beer except for my stomach. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine because they've like lit his face in a... In a mm. hero way, protagonist. Focus on this kind of way, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has kind of defaulted to showing that these are two separate groups of dwarfs by drawing the ones on the left all have ginger beards. Uh-huh. <laughs> ones on the right all have brown beards. The natural dichotomy of any group, of course. Yeah. Ginger and <laughs> less ginger. <laughs> so I will mm. all be fighting Ben mm. at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it does correlate with my life, I was going to say, yes. <laughs> this page establishes that no matter what Sam is doing, He's got to be home at six o'clock to read to young Sam, who's one year old. Again, I don't think this kid looks one year old because some things are important. He looks every age. Mm. He's every age. And I do like that 
superimposed on this picture in the corner, like kind of glowing so we can tell she's not literally there, yeah. um, is Sybil giving young Sam a bath yeah. while Dribble the dragon pokes his face into the bubbles. He's very protective. Yeah. I love this little dragon. I'm a big fan of the dragon. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely a little terrier dragon, isn't he? Hmm. What do we think about this illustration of Sybil? She only appears a couple of times in the book. Not how I pictured her. No? She looks kind of like Vimes in a wig in this to me. There is definitely a bit of that. Mm. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. There's a hint of like... I like it though. Panto dame to it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's partly it's the hair as well, like which is huge. I mean, we know that she wears she wigs, have- yeah, so yeah, she yeah. can have whatever kind of hair she wants. But it's it's massive. Yeah. I um, think I like it, but it's not how I would have pictured it either. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, not how I imagine Sybil. I would wear that dress though. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, it's sure. stunning. It's cool. I love the sleeve yeah. detail. Yeah. yeah, I need to figure out if I can do that. Yeah, you absolutely could. I feel like this is like Sybil's dressing down for bath time as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> like her normal outfits would be even more fancy than this, or like a mix of fancy. Mm. A mix of. Fa- <laughs> oh no, I'm getting her confused with the Diane Wynne Jones character, where like people are so like, hectic, they wear like a fancy blouse and a threadbare skirt because you know it's just you're too busy doing your thing. Mm. But then yes. Sybil is also quite often in large Wellington boots and very dragon burnt clothes. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And protective uh, leathers and whatever protects you from dragon flame, which would probably be something stronger than <laughs> <Yeah>. leather, <laughs> I assume. Uh, well, it's nice to see her at the start of the book. We'll see her again. Spoilers. Slight mm. spoiler. But then the next page is in young Sam's nursery yeah. where Sam Senior is taking the book off the shelf. And I think one of the best things about this book is he really, in nearly every picture, Sam Vimes is looking really happy. Yeah. He's having a good time, yeah. which never happens in any of the watch books. He's always having the worst time. Yeah. He is, isn't he? You never get to see him just have a nice day. <laughs> Sam Vimes is nice day. <laughs> yeah. You've done The Fifth Elephant. Yeah. yeah that would be the most recent yeah. watch yeah. book you've read. And that he has the absolute worst time. Like, he nearly gets killed by werewolves. He falls off a waterfall. Um, yeah. He nearly freezes to death. He has to wear the gloomy and purposeless trousers of Uncle Vanya. <laughs> oh, God, yes, those trousers. I'd be so fed up. There's no gloomy and purposeless trousers here. No, just a kilt. No, we've explained the purpose. Yeah. And then he has to fight a werewolf right at the end. It's bad. Yeah. I love how everyone's so excited that he's here as well. Like, all of the toys are even standing to attempt it, except oh, yeah. for the spooky one in the bottom left-hand corner. Oh, yeah, don't like that. Don't like that. That's not the most scary character in this book. I think when we get there, we'll all know where we are. Oh, that roly-poly doll. Yeah. He looks yeah, like... Yeah. Yes, yeah. But the scariest one's a little bit later. He's one of those ones with like a round bottom that you like push. Weeble wobble. And he'd like sort of fall over yeah. and then... Weebles wobble, but they can't fall down. Awesome. Oh. I got one from my cat and he was so frightened of it, he slowly pushed it behind the curtain and just <laughs> we never saw it again. <laughs> wow. I was like, this costs $30, guy. Come on. I thought you'd love it. Asimov. He's got, got very particular tastes. Yeah, but I do like there's a stuffed toy uh, swamp dragon who's gazing up at the book as it's coming off the shelf. And young Sam's basically, like, throwing his arms out. like, yeah. yeah. Um, what is with those sleeves, though, right? that he's got on with the weird pleats? Medieval garb. No, it's, it's like a, it's a look. Everything about this particular illustration of young Sam is mildly haunting, to be fair. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the way his mouth is, just the eyes, it's yeah. just scary. I don't it's... think a one-year-old should be standing on the bed like that. No. Nor wearing, like, work shoes. <laughs> like, where's he been? Where's he going? The mines. Move. <laughs> are, they, are they work shoes? 
They look a bit work booty. They look like little booties to me to keep his feet warm. He shouldn't be wearing shoes at all. He's a baby. And he's on a bed. Yeah, he shouldn't be wearing shoes in the house at all, but you know. He also looks like he's had an eyebrow wax and kind of needs some anti-aging cream for the crow's feet. (laughs) It's a big day of just threading. That bit is accurate. Like, some babies do look like tiny old people. They do. A lot of them look like Winston Churchill. There's also what looks like a live mouse. Yeah. I support the mouse. Yeah. I support the mouse's right to be a part of this. Mm. Yeah, the mouse is great. So wholesome looking. It's like just quietly expecting his 6 p.m. reading of the book. Yeah. And it's that nice pink paint that you get in some of these old Tudor houses. And you got the yeah. Yeah. nice beams on there. Yeah. There's two paintings on the wall that don't have anything in them, though. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Particularly when we get to the painting that you see on the wall at the end of the book. But uh, otherwise, it's quite mm. a jolly scene. Mm. Yeah. Very sweet. <laughs> they explain that it was the most chewed book in the world. Yeah, and they've got chew uh, details. Someone who's lost their cow. Like on the yeah, covers. Yeah, the copy is chewed. It's got some lumps taken out of it. Have you guys chewed your physical copies for uh, for accuracy? Oh, <laughs> I haven't. I should have pre-chewed it for mm. the podcast. At this point in this bizarrely visual episode of our audio-only podcast, Jo pretended to nibble on her copy of Where's My Cow? It's a new How one. How did it taste? You got a new one. Yeah, can you I mean, taste test that for us, please, Joanna? Yeah, it's um, important. I, I feel like I need to take a stand against not <laughs> licking books on the podcast. I genuinely was about to say no because I've got a cold and I don't want to pass it on and then realised that we were talking about a book. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You can just say no because that's a weird thing to ask. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> oh, no, creepy guy's Sorry. in the next picture too. What, what creepy guy? By creepy guy, do you mean the baby? Well, yes, but also the, the roly-poly guy. Oh, yeah. The baby is oh, less yeah. creepy in the next one and also a different size. Yeah, much smaller. Yeah. It's true. But I do like that from this point on, once we get into the version of the story that exists in the book in the Discworld universe, mm-hmm. there's this separate style of illustration yeah. that is very children's, yeah. like really simple children's book mm. sort of stuff. But it's so cute. It's gorgeous. It is, yeah. I'd love an entire book like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, and there's two mice. He's done such a good job with the palette that even though it's two completely separate styles, like it looks cohesive. Yeah, that's not like, like it look yeah. horribly jarring. It's just a nice page, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and they've sort of put the text, which is sort of the framing narrative, mm. outside the frame of what the actual book looks like as well. Yeah. So it's quite, it's just really well put together and really lovely design. Yeah. And then they've superimposed the picture in the established style of outside the book of Sam reading, which yeah. is nice. And again, we've seen, there's so many times we see the whole book <laughs> in this Yeah, he really likes book. the book, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess that would have been annoying because they would have had to save that until the end. We would have had to leave that blank and go back and fill it in oh, with yeah. the, how the cover was eventually laid oh, yeah, out. What came Maybe first, the cover first. design or the cover design? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> last But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. Well, this is 2005 by now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So at least we're a few years on from The Last Hero and so Photoshop won't take an entire afternoon to make a little edition anymore. Mm. It's still not fast. I was using Photoshop by this point. But yeah. yeah. No, and they might even be using something more appropriate. Oh, that's true. He's an actual digital artist, so he probably had the proper tools, yeah. But maybe they intended to do that yeah. with the, the paintings in the bedroom, and then they're like, nah, we can just leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we talked about that in our, our last Hero episode, but just in case you didn't know, listener, they did that in a whole book. They laid it out in Photoshop, which is why every edition has the exact same layout. They've never re- <laughs> redone it or renumbered the pages because they can't. No. It's- <laughs> 
they did it in Photoshop. These were huge canvases scanned in. <laughs> in what year was it? 2002, I think. Yeah, some that's like bold. That, yeah. It's like when someone sends you a thing in PDF so that you can't edit them. I'm like, haha, I can copy your words into a Word document. Nice try. Yeah. I've, I've got Adobe Acrobat Pro on my work computer. <laughs> and I'm all powerful. Like, I'm like the only one in the office with it as well. I'm like, oh, yes, of course I'll edit you are this PDF. Whoa. Ooh. <laughs> that is serious. Oh, yeah, no, with The Last Hero, Rob was literally driving back and forth to Paul Kidby's, like driving 200 miles a day to get these illustrations together and then <laughs> typeset it. Yeah. And then they they had to take them somewhere else to get them scanned in because they needed to find someone with a massive scanner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Insane. Don't don't make books in the early 2000s. No. It's too hard. Well, that ruins what I was going (laughs) to do 20 years ago. (laughs) Even if I get time travel under my belt. Yeah. (laughs) The next few pages, they're the book. It's Sam reading the book. And if you're not familiar, listener, Where's My Cow is that classic and I remember, I remember there was a book that got read to me when I was a kid. It was very similar. I think it was like called Where's My Mummy? And it was like a little puppy or a little duck looking for their mum. And it was very similar. Every page is like an illustration of some sort of animal, often with some sort of detail that makes it look a bit more like a cow. And it says, where's my cow? Is that my cow? It goes, insert appropriate animal noise. It is a different animal. That's not my cow. And it's like that repetitive nature. Yeah. With a different animal each time. And it's it's very charming and silly. But also, as a nice detail, like in the first few pages, there are just mice in the background. So it makes sense. That's why there's two mice on his shoulder are so invested in the story. Because they've got like their oh, own yeah. mouse subplot happening in the book. Where are the background mice? <laughs> That's Where true. First one, they're on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. There's a tortoise on the first one. I was about to say, I just noticed a tortoise. Yay. But then, yeah, where there's the horse, there's a mouse or a rat there. And then there's another one where there's the pig. And then they disappear. Um, and the other part of these pages where he's reading the book is the amazing facial expressions oh. of Sam Vimes as he does the animal noises. My favourite is him doing the pig. And that's his favourite <laughs> one to make. So that's good. <laughs> and he's having a nice yeah. time. It's just so good. It's just nice yeah. to see Vimes having yeah. such a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. But then as you get to the next section, you get to the next couple of pages where there's a chicken and then there's the hippopotamus, which of course is in there because the animal of Ankh-Morpork. Ah, yes. Um, I mean, it's still weird though, because if I imagine the kind of, like, if you wrote one in the UK, you wouldn't include like a lion and a unicorn. Yeah, might. <laughs> just because they're on the coat mm. of arms. Probably not. Would you? Yeah, I don't know. For kids' Maybe. books, like, you just put in whatever, don't you? What makes some fun noises? Yeah, you can just throw a hippopotamus <laughs> at it. No one's going to argue. <laughs> Yeah, the kid doesn't go, um, sorry, Dad, thematically, why is there a jungle animal in with all these barnyard <laughs> yeah. animals? Isn't it going to eat them? You say, well, actually, child, child of mine, little pedant, some time ago in prehistoric days, lions did roam this town. And they might do mm. again if you don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a parent and it's just as well. <laughs> they didn't hear. Although we did, we had an equivalent. There was an equivalent animal in Australia. Thylacolio oh, yeah? carnifex, the marsupial lion. Oh. It didn't really look like a lion. I researched it once for a thing I was writing, and they're great. Like they sort of reconstruction their face. If you imagine a koala bear, but much bigger with massive fangs cool. and huge like claws, because it was a carnivore. You're like, okay, it looks it looks like a drop bear, yeah. like a real life ah. drop bear. 
And their theory is they did climb trees and they could stand up on their hind legs so they could slash you with oh, their Jesus. claws. It's like one of those really aggressive ground sloths, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> what do yeah. you mean aggressive ground sloths? <laughs> uh, they're, they're another extinct species. Okay. Yeah. No worry, they're yeah, not no, like, right. creeping don't up worry, on you now, Liz. They're everywhere. Can't escape. Like that really aggressive ground sloth right behind you. Yeah, a bunch of the Australian megafauna went extinct, didn't it? That's a shame. I say a shame, not really. Yeah. A shame for you guys. There's already enough trying to kill you in Australia without the megafauna. Lion koalas. I mean, they weren't as big as a lion. Not as big as a lion still gives you quite a lot of scope. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's true. They are pretty big. <laughs> quite big. Quite big. But just as we are questioning the the Sorry, animals that are included, in the narrative of the book, Sam Vimes is questioning, why would you mix up a chicken and a cow? And then he's questioning the method of just wandering around looking at things, trying to find your cow. And so when you get to the next page, he's stopped reading the book. <laughs> he tells young Sam, if you lose your cow, you should report this to the watch under the Domestic and Farmyard Animals Lost Act of 1809, which is a carrot level knowledge of which yeah. law applies to this very <laughs> specific situation. But he's still pulling the face. So you've got to imagine yeah. like the funny voice he's saying this in. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And they've got the fiction bleeding into real life yeah. as they start for the next bit, which is good. Yeah. Like where the book is spilling this, over into the bedroom. This book, this flying book, with mm. the yeah. face. Yeah, that, with the that face is on my, it. Yeah, my pick for most haunting character in this <laughs> children's book. I reckon it's in cahoots with the Roly Poly guy. Yeah, they're, they're quite near each other, aren't they? That book with the face is just definitely done a murder. <laughs> Not like recently, but in the past, it's done a murder. Yeah, also it's a crime novel. I yeah. don't know if you noticed this. I didn't notice this until just now. But behind the book, up and to the left, mm. the book with the face, mm. uh, which is just flying around with a whole bunch of other things that are flying around in the room, presumably not literally, yeah. there's like a tiny little luggage. Oh, my God, yeah. It's a little chest with teeth yeah. and a couple of feet. Oh. doesn't have as many feet as the luggage traditionally does, but I don't know what else it It's because be. it's baby luggage. It gets more feet as it gets older. <laughs> yeah, that's how babies work. <laughs> Yeah. Again, not a parent. <laughs> Just like human babies. <laughs> sure. By the time we're 30, we all have 16, 17 30 feet. That's, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Listeners have only ever seen us from the shoulders up. <laughs> I don't know how many feet we've got. I don't know how many feet you have. It's really not any of my business. <laughs> you can have as many feet as you like. I mean, literally, you do get more feet in height, but yeah, anyway. Not many more, to be mm, honest. I'm quite true. short. Mm. Yes. <laughs> You're like four more if you're lucky. I mean, if you started out as small as young Sam here, you would have still got quite a few. Well, he, he varies. How much do you think he varies in length in this book? Like half a foot? Across yeah, the like that. yeah. Oh, really? I mean, he does seem a bit more regular baby sized in yeah, this, this picture. This that we're picture is, I think, the most flattering picture of this strange baby. <laughs> the strange <laughs> tiny man. That might just be in conjunction with the horrible things flying around him, but. Hmm. It's a bit Dundon's dimension. I like they're all speculating about the realism of this baby design and there's a murder book flying around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's not for point of view anything else. Like, you know. Yeah, that's Maybe that's, that's why he looks like an old man is he's been living with this mm. flying murder book for his whole life yeah, and yeah. it's just really stressed him out <laughs> so he's already lost all his hair and got wrinkles. But this is where Sam starts to really extemporise, if that's the right word, talking about how the watch will find yeah. your cow for you and says, if you are a stupid person, do not look for your cow yourself, <laughs> which pretty rough, pretty rough there, Sam. Um, 
uh, and also never try to milk a chicken. It hardly ever works, hardly which ever. is good advice. not a joke we should think about too hard. No. They live, I, I'm going to say they live close enough to the Unseen University that occasionally they might find a dairy-producing chicken. Yeah, and there are, like, mm, udders true. specifically pictured on the, like, inside cover montage picture thing, but just, like, mm-hmm. udders removed from any particular animal. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. The the sort of um, the leaves of the book are quite sort of weird marble sort of swirl design. With a juicy and pig butt. elements of the illustrations dipping in and out of it. Yeah, there's like a mix of the simplified kids ones yeah. and then the sort of more stylized adult ones. It's good. I really yeah. like it. It sets it up. That, but it is a bit spooky. That ties into Sud, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, there's swirling horses uh, and... Um, when he's very tired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a tie-in. It does. And there is a specific scene, which I will not mention because it's a spoiler towards the end of the book, yeah. that actually this does, yeah. now that I think about it, it's- kind of remind me yeah. of too. Skip 30 seconds ahead if you don't want a thud spoiler, but the scene I'm talking about is right near the end when Vimes is stuck underground in Coombe Valley, unable to get home to young Sam at 6pm, and in a berserker rage, probably fueled by the summoning dark starts bellowing the book and seeing hallucinations of the animals on its pages as he fights and kills a bunch of deep down dwarfs. It's it's kind of messed up, and I think we'll return to it when we revisit Thud. More about that at the end of the episode. So yeah, but this is, yeah, he's gone off script and he's starting to question, why am I reading a book about farm animals to my city kid anyway? <laughs> and then this is where, you know, the other book starts, where he starts to make up the story of going through Angmore Pork looking for his dad and meeting all these Discworld characters. So it's the same kind of format, but instead of saying, is this my cow? He's saying, where's my daddy? Is that my daddy? And then the first one, you'll know who it is. It goes, bugger it, Millennium Handed Shrimp. Yay. It's Foul or Ron. <laughs> Little sitcom round of applause cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is the joy of this book. I think particularly this section is one of my favorites because we see all these new illustrations by another yeah. illustrator of some of our favorite characters. And it's almost, it, it is like a third style of art as well, isn't it? So you've just got the, mm. the three levels here. Yeah. The kind of the children's illustration and then the like softened nursery one and then the fly surrounded man and the mangy dog. Yeah. There's a little gas boat. There he is. It's grittier than the father son drawings as well. It's like real life yeah. is even like, or like he's not really in real life when he's yeah. with his yeah. family. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of mm. next to it. it look, he looks kind of maybe like blurred, slightly haloed. Yeah. But also as you get onto yeah. like the Coffin Henry page, the book he's holding looks less like the real book and becomes mm. like a sort of stylized. It's starting to get a bit more cartoony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That rooster looks like it's seen some things. Newborn sized. Yeah, that, yeah. that rooster is tired. <laughs> Gaspode also, yeah. by mm. the way, is there. Yes. Looking very patchy and mangy, yeah. which is exactly how I think he should look mm-hmm. compared to how he's often drawn. In a similar way to how I imagine the amazing Morris compared to how he looks in the film. Oh, I know, yeah. It's like, oh, what a well-fed looking house cat. Yeah. There's also such a really nice (laughs) detail in that if you look through all these pages of the Ankh Morpork characters where they're encountering, they are sort of like a Christmas carol. No one can see them in it. They're also there unseen, except for Gaspard is looking directly at Sam and Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is too. Yeah, he's looking kind of worried. He's got one ear cocked even. Yeah, he's like, what's yeah. going on here? Whereas everyone else is just sort of like, no one's around. We're living our lives. Even veterinary. The other detail I just want to point out here before we move on from Fowler Ron is he's wearing 
some sort of military medal. It's like a little, it's like a medallion of a cross. I mean, it looks a bit like, unfortunately, it looks a bit like an iron cross from my very limited knowledge of military medals, but it's clearly some sort of military decoration. And I don't think that's a detail that is in any of the books. I certainly don't remember him ever being described as a veteran. Has it ever been described that he would have looted a jacket off a corpse, maybe? Yeah, I feel like that's more likely than he's a military ve- veteran. I mean, that is very likely. I know Nobby did. <laughs> Although it doesn't look like it goes with the coat. No. Mm. Yeah, maybe he maybe he was. Give him a little. It's like a it's like a really shabby dryer bone is oh. the sort of thing that he's wearing. Which is, uh, do you have those? You probably don't have those in the UK. This is like a famous Australian brand of dryer bone. Is that like a dry as a bone? Yeah. No. Yeah, um, but it's spelled like D R I Z A B O N E. It's a brand. Uh, Yes. To keep you dry as a bone. Yeah. They're really good coats. My mum used to have one. Yeah. Bones are wet. Oh, yeah. Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, inside you, though. That's are, a good point. When you're dead. <laughs> you can't be like, oh, when you're dead, when it's removed from its context and yeah. then it is dry. But, I mean, like, when they're dead, they're no more wet or dry than any other object in the area, I should think. Mm. Inherently, bones are wet. I guess maybe you're thinking a sun bleached bone in the desert. Hmm. Is the what you meant to yeah, be thinking of? Which is usually when you encounter bones, right? You don't usually encounter bones. We're all just... encountering bones right now. <laughs> oh, there's a spooky skeleton in each of us. How un- <laughs> how unfortunate. That murder book knows. <laughs> it's not good. I've got a rat head on my windowsill. Oh yeah, how is oh. the rat head? Uh, still not dealt with that. Wait, is it a whole head of a rat? How much? How much am I going to explain this? Um, <laughs> yeah. So for a podcast related project i was drawing a rat skull right and i asked my husband who works on a farm to bring me back a rat skull so i could use it as a reference he brought me back a largely desiccated but not completely skeletonized rat head so i put it in some water after looking at the subreddit for taxidermy to macerate i think is the term um and i meant to mm. have done like taken it out and like rinsed and scrubbed it but I'm afraid of how bad it's going to smell, so it's just stayed in there for so long now. <laughs> I don't want to take the next step. Taxidermy is not going to be one of those things I get uh, like fixated on. So that, that's, good. He, that's good to know. Your husband doesn't have to get <laughs> you a Christmas good. present now, right? Yeah, yeah no, he got you a rat head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All my hopes and dreams. <laughs> but the thing is, the next day, he got what? it for me like literally the day after, maybe two days afterwards. And I'd already <laughs> forgotten I'd made that request. And so he was like, oh, by the way, there's a rat head and the ball of paper over there. And I was like, there's a what? <laughs> why oh yeah <laughs> See, when, you requested it when you put it in water though i was just imagining that the thing that people do with like avocado pips where they try and like grow an avocado shoot yeah. out of it but well, yeah, i think it's worst case scenario new rats <laughs> gonna grow a whole rat yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially since you left Got it there pet. and not looking at it so. um yeah sorry yeah i have a friend who's a paleontologist they grow back animals that way all the time yeah no, but she would, because she was doing comparison with current animals and extinct Australian animals, she would sometimes like collect roadkill and bring it home uh-huh. in like, a box and then bury it in the backyard so it could like decompose. Mm. And then she'd dig it up and boil it, like put it in a big pot and, and boil yeah. it. See, if I'd got a bigger animal, that would have been the correct process. But the rats are very delicate right. and small bones, so I couldn't boil it. And if I'd buried it, we also have very weird soil here, so it might have eaten through the bone. Before it got cleaned. Yeah, Yeah, okay. 
I feel like you should just like put a bunch of salt on it. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. Um, this is paleontology chat. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, no, don't apologize. Tell us how you clean your skulls by just yeah. using the hashtag. No. Yeah, please do. But don't tell me I've done it wrong because I'm not going to redo it. <laughs> I was offered a fresh yeah, rat head the other day and I said, no, thank you, darling. <laughs> I still haven't dealt with this one, nor am I likely to. Did he kill a rat for you? Is that? No, no. I mean, it's a farm. There are dead rats. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The rats get killed, unfortunately. Well, let's, we'll move on. Yeah, move, <laughs> how did this happen? We're getting ahead of I'm ourselves. Sorry, I know it was All my right. fault, but I don't know how I got here. I mean, speaking of rats, there is one on the next page with Coffin Henry. Oh, there so is. cute. Oh, yeah. It does look cute. quite cute. There's a skeleton in that. <laughs> there is. It's true. <laughs> get eaten on one of those. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. I just got ketchup. Continuing the theme of being an unusually visual audio-only podcast, just to make sure you've got all the relevant details if you don't have a copy in front of you, the person Liz is about to refer to is Sam Vimes Sr. Why has he got feathers in his hair? That's it. I was just looking at that. There's some real-life feathers that have come out of this fake book. That's what's happened there. Look at that. Or it's maybe from the bed. Yeah, it's not clear. But yeah, they're like, they look very deliberate. What are they growing out of his head? Mm, no, I think they're just, just sort of jammed in there. I don't know where they come from. I think one of the other explanations is more likely. They're there for three pages, though. Oh, I Look, I know yeah. this illustration is from 2005, but given the last few years we've had uh, Coffin Henry coughing mm. his horrible sputum and across It's like a little page. bit green-yellow. Yeah. Yeah. I would say even before oh, the pandemic, I would have found that unappealing. Mm. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> we are all the rooster in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Looking on horrified, tired rooster. (laughs) (laughs) Escape from our children's book. I find that I love that. I love that in cartoon characters where they get just that line under the eye that just a single one that means they're tired. Yeah, give them that aged (laughs) thousand year stare, thousand year stare, thousand yard, thousand page stare. Yes. The next double page spread, we accelerate now. We have a different character on each page. Mm. First of all, cut me on throat, Dibbler. Ah, yeah. I love this illustration of Dibbler. He's got dodgy salesman written all over him. Although he does look a bit younger than I imagined Dibbler to look. And a bit... Oh, damn it. A bit... More charming. Uh, Yeah, he looks... Yeah, how would you describe... I mean, he's got an earring. He looks a little bit like a pirate. I've got... But he's not dressed as a pirate. The Discworld portfolio that Paul could be dead oh, yes. with Pratchett. And his version mm. of Dibbler, I think, is closer to what I was imagining. He's like a shorter, wider, slightly older. Yeah. Yeah. Less like I, a pirate, more like a East End wheeler dealer. Yeah, like a dodgy car salesman. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I always pictured him a bit like Arthur Daly. I always pictured him a bit like Alan Partridge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like uh, that kind of matches brilliant. up. Like, I can imagine him trying to sell yeah. me a hot dog. Mm. What, oh, what was yeah. yours, Ben? Who are you comparing him to? Oh, uh, Arthur Daly from um, Minder. Do you remember that show? This is, probably nobody here is as old as me, are they? Arthur Daly was this sort of archetypal, always on the lookout for a deal. Like, right, yeah. he'd sell yourself off the back of a truck. Yeah. Like, very, very Dibbler-style character from the 80s. Nice. In fact, if he wasn't partially the inspiration for Dibbler, I'd be very surprised. Oh, yeah. That and Del Boy, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. From Only Fools yeah. and Horses. But it's still cool yeah. to see a different version of him. I like to see all the, like everyone's different imaginings of him. It's it's cool that we've got, well, now three different artists you can see some of these characters in. Yeah. 
The other one on this double page spread is Detritus. Mm. Sorry, Detritus. I always say it the other way. I love him. Yeah. He's not very rocky. No, he's fleshy. Yeah. This is an organic looking being. But cool. He's got like moss or something growing off his massive chin. Mm, mm. But like, he looks like he has skin rather than crags. I really like the detail of the um, cooling helmet. Yeah, I love the helmet. Oh, as yeah, well. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got the it's got the fins mm. and the little fan. Ah, mm. uh, and it's it's a reminder of Cuddy. Yes. Oh. oh, my heart breaks in you. Which is interesting if you think about it, because this dates when Sam is imagining him from, because the helmet gives up the ghost in Jingo when they're in the desert. Oh yeah, because it gets sand caught in the mechanism. So he presumably doesn't yeah. have one anymore. Oh, I think he probably well, he didn't. You unmade. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't give up. Like, it was like, oh, your glasses get broken. I'm never going to get glasses again. Like, mm-hmm. like, he needs it. That's true. And it was like a gift from a dear friend. So, yeah, maybe he took it to some artifices and got it fixed. Mm. And he's wearing a skirt, notably. Is this how you imagined the peacemaker? Uh, Is this the peacemaker? I never really imagined it. Close. It looks a bit better constructed than I imagined the peacemaker. Yeah. yeah this feels to me like it's not the peacemaker. This is like... Someone saw him holding the peacemaker and went, you just need a really big crossbow, don't you? Like, you can't actually use that siege weapon. And yeah. So they put a hand, proper handle on it and a trigger rather than, oh, yeah. you know, however you would fire a ballista. Yeah. Mm. I always imagine the peacemaker is just looking like it should be held together with duct tape. Like, yeah. obviously, duct tape, as we know, mm. it doesn't exist on the Discworld, but it feels like it's held together with duct tape. Yeah. Duct tape might exist. Condoms yeah. do, so... Oh, Ooh. yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah so just yeah, <laughs> same what, material. I don't know what you'd make duct tape out of in Ankh-Morpork. Probably ducks. Yeah. Probably. Maybe it's not sticky, but like stretchy and then ties off. Mm. Yep. Because then when it condenses back in, it holds it tightly. Nice, yeah. Like a bandage kind of thing, yeah. Mm. Okay, that's good. I'm glad we solved that. Yeah, I'm glad, we've, I'm glad <laughs> we fixed that pressing issue. <laughs> Let's get to the end of the book because there's not too much left and we did get some great questions we want to get okay. through. We've got Lord Vetinari, again, different look. Well, second murder book. Mm. Yes, the book with the face but is back. Two. Um, trying to read whatever Lord Vetinari is writing, which seems a bit rude. One's trying to... There's, none, there's two Facebooks. There's two Facebooks. <gasps> we have the one from the previous oh, page no. chasing a sausage and we have and this another one, one. You're that's right. like leering at Vetinari's writing, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and there's bits from each of the previous pages. And then we have Waffles. And again, the dog can see it. Waffles is there. Yeah, and Waffles can see the, the oh, book. Yeah. So dogs can <gasps> see what's happening. Oh my gosh, this is like some oh. kind of supernatural visitation. Yeah. Where, you know, the animals can see death. It's actually happening. That it means that it's like taken it oh out of the God. abstract. This is genuinely yeah. happening somewhere in L space. Mm. It's like someone else pointed out before. It's like a Christmas carol. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, yes, the ghost of reading time, six o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> And the Concerned Rooster oh. is there looking at young Sam also to the left. Mm-hmm. Vimes is attempting to ride a hippopotamus using a string. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. teddy bear has invented sunglasses. And roller skates. Well done, teddy bear. Mm. Groovy. Well, there's two teddy oh, yeah. bears here. And this is getting a bit play school now because there's like a big one, which is sort of a more sort of orangey yellow kind of brown. And then the smaller one, which is paler. And they're just reminding me, uh, I know you have play school in the UK. We have play school in Australia as well. And they had like a set of toys that they'd always play with. Yeah. And they had Big Ted and Little Ted. Yeah. And that's what these two remind oh. me of. Uh, I'm sure that's not what they're based on because I don't think you had the same toys on play school in the UK. But yeah. That's, that's cute. cute. <laughs> I like it. 
I do like this picture of Vetinari. It doesn't look like... When I picture in my head, I have all these different ideas. Pratchett, I think, would think of him as um, Alan Rickman. Yes. Oh, yeah, I yeah. think was sort of who he pictured. Yeah. And this doesn't quite look like Alan Rickman, but there's a little bit of that DNA in there with the goatee and the slightly longer hair and the outfit's a little bit Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. Looks more Jeremy Irons, this one. Yeah, there's a bit of Jeremy Irons to it. Yeah. Who did play him in mm. Colour of Magic? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, in Charles Dance, I think also is often in oh, the forefront yeah. of my mind because he did a good job in um, going postal as well. As three men with exceptional voices. Yeah. You need an exceptional voice. He's looking at us. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. He's aware we're reading him. So here's the theory, right? The dogs can see mm-hmm. Vimes and young Sam. Vetinari yeah. can see us, the reader. So he's like even more at, like, he's at the highest yeah. level of <laughs> inception. He can see through all of the layers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There has never been a fourth wall that Vetinari couldn't see through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like it. that here it's kind of implying that Sam is taking the piss out of himself as well because he's doing a salute like he would for Vetinari, I'm guessing. Mm. Oh, but yeah. He's pulling yeah, the yeah, stupid yeah. face. Mm. And I do like that the noise that Vetinari makes is, don't let me detain you. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Oh, we didn't say what the other people are saying. I mean, obviously, some of them are pretty obvious, like Dibbler saying, that's cutting my own throat. Yeah. Um, Detritus says, I think, therefore I am, I think, which is apparently possibly a reference to a a specific rock song Ah. where there's a narration where someone says, I think, therefore I am. And then there's a bit of a pause, and then they go, I think. <laughs> and that might be what inspired that. I don't know if that is. We'll put that in the episode notes. Um, but this is where, this is where it all kind of comes to a head because mm-hmm. Sybil comes in the room to check on them. Oh my God. There's four murder books now. And one oh. of them is scared of her. And yes, on this page, there are now four books. Thank goodness Sybil's come in to put a stop to that. Mm. Phew. <laughs> the book's much bigger that Vimes is holding. Mm. In this one, yeah, yeah. and the chair is flying through the air. It's a bit like the music video for the UK's Eurovision song "Spaceman." Oh yeah. Whereas I don't know if you've seen the the yes. music video rather than the you know live performance where he's, he's sitting in a chair on a chat show and they ask him a question and he just rises up into the air and like flies across the UK <laughs> while people look up at him. I'm going to take yeah, your word for that one. It's quite good. Yeah, it's great. Teddy's now hyper realistic, also. And little Sam is eating a sock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is where Sam gets in trouble because he's clearly not been sticking to the script um, because young Sam makes the spitting noise and then he says, buglet, which is, yeah, he's swearing. <laughs> he's saying buglet. Sybil has the classic sitcom wife yeah. pose, hands on hips. What are you doing, kids? Mm. She does the tapping of the feet. Although she's got quite an amused but cut it out kind of face rather yeah. than a gross, stereotypical, yeah. like, stern, shrew wife kind of yes, face. I'm glad you're having fun, but can we draw the line at swearing, please? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And she's still wearing that great dress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that he's, like, now pretending it's the Goose story and the Goose is sort of, like, in the corner in the book illustration style being like, oh, it yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to get a guy today. It's just kind of the the gradual change from little kids' book to realistic, like it's a gradient over the page, isn't mm. it? As a yeah, hmm. yeah, it's quite lovely. This is basically a story, like the story of this evening where he goes off script, is told in Thud hmm. over like a page and a half. 
It's just sort of shortcut. There's not, it's not all the detail that's in the actual book, but this book is telling that story again yeah. in much more detail, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. But then once Sybil leaves, he still gets in his last bit, which is <laughs> telling him what he should expect his dad would say if he found him, which is, I arrest you in the name of the law. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes to sleep and that's the end of the book, which is it's very cute. Mm. And all the toys are sleeping too. Including the ball. The ball's got a face and it's gone to sleep. And the books are on the shelf, so they're from the room. Thank goodness. And there are six of them. They've still got faces on them, but they're all asleep as well. In fact, they look a bit like Blackboard from Mr. Squiggle. Mm. That's a very strange reference. Sorry. Uh, This is a children's television program. And then in the background. Oh, oh. There's a cameo. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> there is. So there were two frames before. You know, I said that they were empty. I... And now we look again and there's a frame there. It's not mm-hmm. empty. Because in the last page, the one we just went from, I was looking at it. I was like, that's a silhouette. And I was trying to work out if that was a recognizable character silhouette. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Because of wow. the hat. And I was like, who has a hat like that? And I went to the next one. I was like, ah. Of course, Terry Pratchett has a hat like that. Foreshadowing with extra shadow. I was trying to work it out and sound smart, but no. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Pratchett hat nice. or Pratch hat. Hmm. Pratt hat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hat. Good. <laughs> that's a, that's the spin-off podcast where we just um, we wear different hats that might have pleased Terry Pratchett. Yeah. To talk about. Like, yeah, rank them. Pratchett hat chat. Oh, yes. Oh. Christmas episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I've got about four hats currently available to hand if we need to start doing this now. <laughs> oh, wow. You could also do Pratchett hatchet chat. If you wanted to get into garden implants, uh, you got get some axes. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Have we have we actually said in words who who is in the picture, or are there listeners going, "Who is it? Who's in the picture?" Um, oh yeah, no, sorry, it's, sorry guys, it's Terry, it's Terry Pratchett. Yeah, it's Terry Pratchett. Yeah, that was a uh, tension building. I think for a second there, when I first saw this, I thought he was had a mug of beer, but then I realised no, that's his hand on the top of his mm. cane oh, in the yeah. corner of the picture. Yeah. But yeah, it's quite a nice picture. Last year at Christmas, they did the Abominable Snow Baby. And similarly, in one of the characters' houses, there's a little portrait of Terry Pratchett in the background as well. Oh, I missed that. Cool. I'll go back and watch it. I think it's meant to be his granddad or something, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really cute. Did we talk about that on the podcast, Joanna? No, I can't remember why we didn't. We were in the middle of something. Okay, that's good. We've got that to save. We haven't done it on the podcast, but we will. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, that's it. That's the book. Mm-hmm. Do we have any favourite bits we want to talk about before we get into some questions? Because we've got some great questions about this very silly book. <laughs> I love the dragon. I'll say I really do love that little dragon. It does remind me of your dog. <laughs> and I'd like to do an extra appreciation for the blurb or the author's endorsement at the beginning of are we not all in some way looking for our cow? Because that is just a brilliant <laughs> send up of blurbs. So, yep. <laughs> it's very good. I really also enjoyed that even in the imprint of the book, it's pretending to be from the Discworld because it says this yeah. book was originally published in the Year of Three Horses by Rouster and Sideways, 33B Gleam Street, Ankmore Pork, brackets, please use rear staircase, closed on Fridays. <laughs> um, and then it says this annotated edition published, blah, 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 blah uh, which I thought was very cute. You don't often see them messing with that part mm. of the book. Committing to the bit there. Gleam Street, also, you know, hotbed of Ankmore Book Publishing, because that's where the Times offices began as well. Ah, of course. Oh, yeah. Makes sense that the book printing press would be there as well. Is that where, um, what's his name's place? Is the, the guy who published Nanny's books? No. Oh, maybe. I think they were closer to the Good Opera question. House. Yeah. 
I'll look that one up for the episode notes. But yeah, it's a delightful book. When I got it and I read it, I kind of was expecting it to be more the actual book from the books. Mm. But I'm kind of delighted that it isn't, but it still has a bit of that in it. Yeah. I feel like there's a missing market, though, where you could also just make the original picture book. (laughs) Pushing it a bit, though, isn't it? (laughs) I know. I think it would have been hard for him to make the original picture book without going off topic. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) <laughs> and people would have taken it too seriously as a thing. Now that Liz has pointed out the the juicy, <laughs> the pig ass, I also cannot unsee. Yeah, this is the just draws your eye to it. And is that like the ass of the Six. pig that's faces to the bottom left, or are they two different pigs? Or could be. I think it is. I think he's like yeah. warping through space and time. Utterly yeah. disrespectful. <laughs> the the little chicken in the corner, mm. bottom right, that looks mm. like that looks like I'm sure it does, like a cartoon I've seen, like one of the Looney Tunes ones. The weird face it's got. Yeah, it's got that I can't think yeah, what absolutely. it is. It's got that style. Yeah. I know that yeah, I thought the same thing, but I couldn't pick it either. The little roly poly toy as well. Mm-hmm. There's a scene, like in the last picture, when everyone's going to sleep, he's asleep too. In fact, there's a couple of them, but you you see the back of him and he's got these big spots on him. And I'm like, is he meant to be a ladybird or something? Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, Mm. I don't know. But I just thought that was a weird detail because it was not at all what I expected the back of that toy to look like. (laughs) That's the most haunting ladybird I've ever seen. Like a disguise. Uh, Yeah. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I'd rather deal with the murder books than have that in my room. Yeah, I respect that choice. (laughs) Fair. Mm. But we should get on to some questions. So our first question or questions comes from Craig McCallum via Discord. So Craig has sent us through three different ones. I'm going to condense them down. Firstly, thanks for the collaboration. Much joy. First question is around the quality of the actual book. For something that could be easily forgiven for being a money-making scheme, I've always been surprised at how beautifully presented and bound it is. Secondly, how do we feel about the choice of the illustrator? And finally, what book would we have loved to read to our own children, whether they're our own or relations? So. Were you surprised that it's so nice a book? Mm, I have not got the physical one, but I was very pleased to see the quality of the illustrations, for sure. It doesn't really surprise me. Like, very little Discworld and Pratchett merch ever seems half-assed. It always seems like a lot of thought and effort's gone into it. I think Mm. partly because Pratchett was really controlling about all of it and had a lot of final say. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the big factor, isn't it? Because he, he only ever wanted to do things with people who would take it seriously and do it right by which he often also meant his way yeah. to read between the lines <laughs> yeah. of the, of quite, the biography. Right, his universe, he can do what he wants. But, <laughs> but I agree with the premise that he could have gotten away with doing a cheaper version, but absolutely would not have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I think that's why you don't see as much Discworld stuff as there might be for mm. other massively popular franchise yeah. things because he was always like, no, I'm not going to do this yeah. unless it's really yeah. good. for sure. We kind of already touched on the illustrator a bit. But now that we've looked through all the illustrations again, mm-hmm. how would you sum it up? I mean, I think it's really impressive that Mervyn's done these, uh, Melvin, sorry, he's done these like three different styles of illustration as you're talking about. And two of them are pretty close, like the, the real world Sam Vimes in yeah. the nursery and the, the real world of Ank Morpork are, are kind of, they're pretty similar, but the one in the nursery is certainly a lot softer. And then there's the, yeah. you know, toys coming to life stuff that is slightly different again. And then there's the storybook stuff as well. So it is quite a complicated brief. I think, yeah. I think he put his whole brain into it. Like it feels like he put in above and beyond effort. Like it's the skill mm. is clearly there from the different drawing styles, but also like just the little details, like who's looking at who in the different things. And also, was it Ben who noticed the little luggage earlier? It's just little details, which yeah. <laughs> again, whether that came through collaboration with Terry Pratchett or if it came through like doing extra research, or I'm not sure if he was already a fan. 
you could have absolutely gotten away with doing not as detailed a job, but it, you can feel yeah. when someone has put their whole brain into something and it feels like that's what's happened here. So I think he was a very good choice. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like he really cared about it. I'd be really interested mm. to know how he ended up working with Pratchett. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't easily find an answer to that and I didn't spend too long digging, but I might do at some point, see if I can find like an interview with Pratchett where he mentions it. But, um, yeah. If we do find that out, listener, yeah. we'll put that in our episode notes. Yeah. I wonder if it's because, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, he's known for sort of doing heavy metal covers, like for Iron Maiden. And we know Pratchett's into that sort of music, at least a little bit. I mean, he's more a meatloaf fan, but I'm sure he would have listened to at least some Iron Maiden, or perhaps he, he had listened to a band who he'd done a cover for. So that's a possible way that they might have met, I guess. Speaking of covers, I just found an answer to a question we had earlier, scrolling down the interview I had open. The cover, mm-hmm. says Melvin, was a joint effort between myself and Lizzie Lexinska, possibly, art director of Transworld, who I worked closely with on this project. I was partway through the interior artwork and we needed a cover. As the book was called Where's My Cow? And there was no actual cow in the book, Lizzie suggested we put the cow on the cover, doing a bit of curd and wandering down a track towards the distant city. So I did the painting, Lizzie did the rest, and Terry Pratchett supplied the Librarian's Ook Award medal. <laughs> there we go. Halfway through is when the cover appeared. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was indeed That's done great. on Photoshop. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, there you on, go. For the cover, certainly. On a Mac with 1.5 gig of RAM. There you go. Ah, uh, yeah. 2005. Ah, uh, 2005. A different time. <laughs> different time. It's a simpler time. I reckon then. In that case, it was probably found through his agent. I yeah, think just okay. as a fancy illustrator. Yeah. Or was perhaps already known to Transworld, but rather than speculate, I will do my actual research properly after this. <laughs> Thank you, Francie. That's very, very much appreciated. I feel like we have similar tendencies of going, hmm, what is the answer to this very inconsequential question? Allow me to spend the next three days finding out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> we should collaborate on some of these things sometime. Hmm. <laughs> I do like the implication, though. The photorealistic cow on the front cover implies that there really is a lost cow. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. nobody found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wandered all the way out of the city, or it's on to, it's on its way to the big smoke to make a name for itself. <laughs> or did it get out of the book and slowly become more real? Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh. And I'm really scared yeah. that it's going to, like, climb out of the book in my sleep. I'm just going to wake up and there'll be a cow. <laughs> well, it's looking at us like veterinary did, so does it have the same level of intelligence? <laughs> Is it also aware that there is no full form? (laughs) Oh, no. Well, because it is breaking out of that border on the cover. Mm. That is a cow that can't be contained. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The other thing, just before we move on to Craig's last question, how how do we... Where is our cow? Yeah, no, but how do we feel about where this style sits between, you know, say the Paul Kidby and Josh Kirby Mm. sort of schools of illustration? I think we're all famously not necessarily great fans of the Josh Kirby style. I feel like I've been harsher on him than I've meant to in the past, just because sometimes mm. you look at the cover and you're like, did it need that much tip? Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I I find them very yeah. interesting illustrations to look at. They're not maybe my aesthetic preference, but I like them and I think they were a good choice for what he was doing at the time. They were like attention catching. Mm. They were fantasy parodies, but equally... Paul Kibbe stuff's just beautiful. Mm. And yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if this sits in between them so much. It's it's very it's very much closer to Paul Kidby's, but it's just a different art style. Mm. Yeah. It's uh he's he's a different artist, yeah. He's um I like it. Yeah. I do like it. Uh I think he possibly 
um, the haunting child needed <laughs> a little softening, maybe. But I think Sam Vimes is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm I'm sorry about that, Craig, by the way, because I could see that you particularly liked the young Sam in this book, whereas we all found him a little bit weird and creepy. Um, but that's, that's okay. That's all right. Um, he's, he's, I think he's a very old fashioned baby illustration. Yeah. I think that's partly what it is. It's like not those, how you draw a baby now, I think. Like those unnerving baby Jesuses in medieval paintings. <laughs> that have got like just really adult babies. Yes. Like he's come to life after a drop of blood fell on a monk book and it just came out of the corner. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like you can tell somebody has described a child to this illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't seen one before, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm being unkind. <laughs> There are a couple of the Young Sam illustrations where he's kind of doing the really silly faces that I do have a soft spot yeah. for because it does yeah. look a lot like my nephew. Mm. My nephew doesn't really look like a human child. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's, I don't know, part cricket or something. <laughs> You're sure your sister doesn't <laughs> listen to these, right? Yeah. I say all of this to my sister. <laughs> oh, fair. Okay. He's got so much limb. No, I agree. The ones where they're having a nice time, like, and he's very animated yeah. and together, yeah. those are nice. But yeah, the ones where he's yeah. like the wrong size to be the baby he is whilst somewhere else in the room is just, it's just a bit uncanny. And I think it's just jars. Well, I think that's brain. it. He looks like quite a cute little kid, mm. just not like a baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe I just have a bad idea of what one year olds look like. I don't really know. Yeah, I'm not often around <laughs> one year olds. Yeah, I spend a lot of time with kids, but they're usually. Yeah. Quite a lot older than yeah. one year old. And what books would you read them? The final question for ah. Craig. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this because he was sort of talking about the fact that when he was reading to his kids that they wanted to hear Lemony Snicket and... Lemony Snicket's great. The Wizard Who Shall Not Be Named. It's tricky because like a lot of the books that I really like, even if they're for younger audiences, they're still for like young adults. But I, I would say that Pratchett's kids' books I'd absolutely want to read, like Truckers and the Johnny books and... Mm. The Tiffany Aching books and The Amazing Morris. And I know this will horrify one of our listeners who is horrified by how dark The Amazing Morris yeah. is. And that's fair enough. But I, a lot of the kids I know would really love that. And I think if you're prepared to have those conversations, it's a really great book to talk about some of those more difficult things and introduce some of those ideas. Mm. I went to my friend's bookshop yesterday and she's like, do you want me to read you a book? I'm like, okay. And she pulled down this book called, I think it's called Death, the Duck and the Tulip. And it is what it promises. It's like, it is very ter- prejudiced because there's this duck who suddenly can see death and it's like, oh, is it my time? And then they have a sort of nice time together and then it goes how you would expect it to go. But after, and I was like, is this for children? Because it's very dark, but it's, it's well written and very nicely illustrated. And death was a lot like Terry Pratchett's death. So I think that's, death, the duck and the tulip. I think I'll dark themes are not something we should hide yeah. from, yeah. from mm. kids. I feel like kids deal with them better than adults sometimes, to be honest. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I was quite young when I read Amazing Morris. I'm like slowly getting my little, my nephew's about seven. I'm trying to get him into Discord or at least Terry Pratchett now. So he loves all of the short stories. Um, I've also tried to get him into mm. Tolkien, oh, but yeah. uh, I haven't quite sold him on The Hobbit yet. We're getting there. Slowly. Yeah, that, that was my answer. Diana Wynne Jones yeah. is a good one oh, as yeah. well. Like she has some oh, good yeah. ones in that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Is it? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I bet I'm, I'm cheating a bit when I say The Hobbit because it's just, I listened to that audiobook so many times when I was a kid that I've kind of, I know the cadence of most of the words and like the character voices and how I do it. I feel like I could give a convincing performance of The Hobbit to a child. Yeah, that's fair. Well, if that's cheating, you've just put in a lot of time. Get, getting a good grade <laughs> in reading books to child is both normal and possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the phrasing, Joanna? <laughs> normal and possible to achieve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Normal to want and possible to achieve, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. I think um in terms of like really young kids books, there are some great ones, but the the classics like are still great. Like the very hungry caterpillar. Absolutely great right forever. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think he can't keep eating, but he does. <laughs> that ending. <laughs> yeah. The zoo. Because it's very much like this one. Elmer the patchwork elephant. Rainbow fish. Rainbow fish. The other classic one I love is a Sesame Street one. The monster at the end of this book. And if you don't know it, even as an adult, I recommend you look it up because right. it is one of the cutest, most wholesome books ever that still has this amazing tension and it's it's beautiful. I won't say any more if you haven't read it. I would so love reading that to kids. I think that would be the best. That's for kids a bit older than yeah. young Sam. But yeah, it's a gorgeous book. I love it. What's that patchwork elephant called? Elmer. Elmer, Elmer the patchwork elephant. Elmer, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to remember all these at the yeah. moment because the other child in my life yeah. that's what I'm sort of related to has just turned one and Christmas is coming. So he's getting books. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Cute. <laughs> and did you say how old's the other one? Seven. Seven. So he's... Uh, obsessed with Roald Dahl um, right now, and then he's reading all the Terry Pratchett short stories. Ha. Oh, so good. I feel like he's being raised well. Another good series for someone around seven would be the Real Pigeons books Ooh. by Andrew McDonald. They're heavily illustrated, so they're almost like they're not quite a comic book, but they've got a bit less text than your average book of their length. Like so they're good book. for that age. It's still sort of getting into that, but they're just this gang of weird pigeons who go on adventures and like solve crimes and stuff. And Andrew's also written a book, actually, like a middle grade book called Son of Death about the Grim Reaper family. Nice. And it's about the ki- the son in the family having to take over the family business. So it's a very practical <laughs> idea. So those would also be good. I'd read those to kids as well. Cool. All right. So our next question comes from Damien Smith via Twitter. I just really want to hear your best hippopotamus noises. So it's asking for a hippo noise competition. Okay. Yeah. Or in all caps, he said, hippo noise competition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do we all want to, are we all ready to commit to this? Will we all do it? Absolutely. Yes, I'm happy to go but first. But I don't want to go first. <laughs> yeah. I'll read, I'll read the whole passage okay. so that the noise can be in context and you can just okay. do the noise if you want. But it goes, um, where's my cow? Is that my cow? It goes, it is a hippopotamus. That's not my cow. I feel like I've done more as Sam Vimes doing that. No, no, actually, that's not true. Sam Vimes would put much more into it. Than yeah. That. <laughs> that's how he gets his stress out from the day. <laughs> it's probably not my best hippopotamus, but that's what I'll go with. Who's, who's going to go next? All right. Where's my cow? Is that my cow? It goes, ah, ah. it is a hippopotamus. Maybe. That's not my cow. I don't know. <laughs> I watched a video of hippos earlier and everything. I just can't remember what they sound like now. Oh, wow. I tried to prepare. It feels for this. to me like the hippo has seen you coming and is like, ah, Jesus. <laughs> well, it's like an angry hippo yeah. video I watched. They were shouting at each other. Ah, uh, yeah. so you should have watched a more confused hippo video to prepare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to go next? I can go next. Yeah. Um, where's my cow? Is that my cow? It goes. Oh, it's very soft. My water is not full enough. Smart. <laughs> but for our listeners. Just blue bubbles into water because that's how. Some live foley there. Beautiful. I think it will come out. I think we'll hear that. <laughs> it's Amazing. all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> you devoted. That is that's commitment to the bit. All I love right. it. It's my turn. Um, where's my cow? Is that my cow? It goes. Hurrah. It is a hippopotamus. That is not my cow. Get out. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> that's how it's spelled. <laughs> For reference, listener, if you have not seen either Thud or this book, it's spelled H R 
U-U-U-G-H. Sorry, it should have been her. Uh, there you go. Hru. But I, I don't know. Is that not a very posh hippopotamus's name? This is. Oh, and this is a. Hru. The hippopotamus. Of the Somerset. It's Hru and his brother Hrupert. Well, Damien, I hope we've satisfied your desire. Well, I, I did it in the way that I would read it to a child. So yeah. I think we all yeah. did. I like to scare children. I try not do all my noises sarcastically when I read to children. I don't often mm-hmm. read to mm-hmm. children. That's fair. Guys, Clark, Clark. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> we should uh, power through some more of these oh, questions yeah, sorry. before oh, yeah. we oh, run sorry, out of time. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, but I was kind of like, what noise does it make, though? What noise do a fox make? We'll, um, we'll find a video of an actual hippopotamus noise. I've done no research. I wanted to just go in cold. And, and then we'll superimpose um, we'll all of our noises across the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. That's a nice little- Oh, we will. When you say we. <laughs> no, yes, yeah, sorry. Good. I'll try and do that. That'll no, no. As in, don't, you don't actually have to do that. The, the joke is enough. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> no, I want to do yeah, it. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so next questions come from Jing via Discord. If other Discord characters were to make up their own version of a children's book, what would they be about? And follow-up questions, can you come up with some other taglines that Discord publishers can use to sell the book if you were to write a review for the Ankhmore Book Times? And then one final one specifically for Joanna, does talking to Liz improve your tolerance threshold for puns slash fast pun making people, or has it worsened? <laughs> Let's start with the last one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely okay you would with say that, this level of punning. No, it's fine as long as someone doesn't try and get into a pun off with me. Then I get very upset enough to go under the table. Yes, I, I hate those. Which is fine. Like the microphone reaches down there, hmm. <laughs> which means you okay, can still no do it. Off. All right. Okay. Who else would make a children's book? I mean, I feel Nanny like Og. but it would not be oh, safe yes. for anyone. Mm-hmm. Like no children should read Nanny Ogs. No. What kind of noises would there be in it? I think children would love it though. In fact, children would be the only people it would be safe for because they wouldn't understand yeah, yeah. what it was about. <laughs> and then as adults, they'd think back and go, what did I read? Nanny Og yeah. and the ben na 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 surprise. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, very good. But maybe she's yeah. like, she'd try to do it like in a child-friendly way, but everyone knows Nanny Og, so they'd like read innuendo into it. <laughs> and she'd be like, no, sometimes a banana's just a banana. Not when it's you, mm-hmm. it ain't Geyser kind of thing, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. What container should I put my banana in? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, do you think Dibbler would sell a children's book? Oh, yeah. Mm. It, he would you... do a cheap one, but yeah. It'd be a cheap one. It'll fall apart when you pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I reckon it'd be about food. He'd do an alphabet book and it'd be just all pictures of things That's, that he sells. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like a marketing <laughs> strategy, a long term like when he tried to That'd do be- subliminal yeah. messaging, but just like. Yeah. But like, yeah, long term stuff. Like how um, companies used to put adverts in the middle of children's shows, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or indeed in the middle of Pratchett's books in Germany. Yes. <laughs> for soup. Yeah. Somehow want some noodles. I don't know. Oh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you mention that, it does make me want noodles. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, it's worked across borders. It's worked across decades. <laughs> and now I'm hungry again. Mm. Like a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. What about a, a tagline? What would you, yeah. how would you sort of blurb this book? I think I'd try and sell it as kind of a searing insight into the secret life of the commander of the watch, but would be arrested for that. <laughs> mm. Actually, here's a th- are the are the ones on the back, are they for the in-universe version mm. of the book? 
I think so. Yeah. yeah. Or are they for this version of the book? Uh, in-universe, because oh. they're pictured in the book. Yeah. This is an in-universe version. It's just the annotated version. Oh, right. Mm. But I think it's for the original one, yeah. Yeah. Does that mean Terry Pratchett exists in the Discworld as a writer of children's books? Yes, and a postman yeah. and a astro chelonaut researcher. <laughs> An astro chelonaut guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and a toy maker. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Just a man about town. A lot of jobs, that man. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next question comes from Joel Molin via Discord. Did you ever learn a picture book word perfect before you could read? And if so, what was it? Not that I recall. Ooh. I did. Oh, you did? Uh, it was each peach pear plum, and I can still remember all of it. Whoa. I could probably learn quantum physics if I didn't have shit like this taking up room in my brain, but now I have all of each peach pear plum. Tell yourself that, that's fine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't know. I'm sure that's the physics. same amount of brain space. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if I did. I think I've lost all of the picture book stuff that I would have remembered because when I was way too young to understand it, like about eight or nine, I started reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and committed huge swathes of that to memory <laughs> instead. So I can still do whole entries from the first book off the top of my head, <laughs> cool. which is a useless use of brain space. Disagree. But yeah, that's where my memory bank is gone. That's a much more sensible use of brain space. I know. I think that's the kind of thing that warps your brain in the right direction. Yeah, that makes your brain the right <laughs> shape. We can only hope so. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't really remember much from being that young, so maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't remember my parents reading me books as a kid. Most of my picture book memories are from school, so. Yeah, and TV. Do you remember words and pictures? Was that still a thing? Maybe not, again, showing my age. But this was a BBC TV show where they would just have someone reading a picture book. Oh. And they also had this little weirdly animated character, this little blobby blue man who would also read the books and it was it was great i remember that we used to watch that when i was in like kindergarten so just before the start of primary school that's been like a follow-on from jack and ori or whatever it was called uh yeah. they used to be like the famous old-fashioned one like there's a video of david bowie doing it isn't there but yeah but this one was like picture books and they'd show you the words because you were oh, supposed okay, to read, read along, along with them learn. oh that's oh, yeah that's yeah. That's nice. Yeah. But yeah, my mum taught me songs instead, I think, like songs with stories in them. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I definitely cool. got read to yeah. a lot. I remember my dad trying to teach me socialist theory through um, the uh, the Roald Dahl book, The Foxes, whatever, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like this is actually a yeah, good great. allegory for, you know, the workers rising up against the oppressive class. I'm like, yeah. I'm five, but fine, go on. Go off. <laughs> <laughs> That feeds in very nicely to the next question, which comes from Sven via Discord. Which other children's book do you also regard as a must-read as an adult? It does feed in nicely, because I would say oh. Roald Dahl, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a yeah. lot of his stuff. Yeah. A lot of his stuff is very good. He's just such a good storyteller. Yeah. I, I would say, again, the monster at the end of this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> read it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I'm going to use my editorial privilege to insert a serious answer. I think the children's book you should read as an adult, particularly if you've never read it as a child... Is the Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Don't just read it for yourself, buy it for the children in your life as well. It is one of the greatest books ever written. I want to go with the Redwall books by Brian Jacks because they're not quite mm. fantasy books, although they're talking mice, but they were definitely like an intro to fantasy for me before I read The Hobbit and stuff. I feel like they're a big reason I read lots of fantasy and things now. Are they a must-read as an adult yeah. though? Yeah, I think they're really good. Yeah. They tell a lot of interesting stories about war and recovering from it. And cool. I will give them another read. Things. 
That's cool. I'm scared to start like rereading all of them. I reread a couple of them and then I was like, oh, if I start really reading all of these, there's a lot. I'm going to buy them all. I don't need to do that. And then do a podcast. Mm. And, you know, it's going to yeah, be it's your next podcast, the Red Wall podcast. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting so hungry reading those books. <laughs> Why, you want to eat the animals? What? No, they have like really yeah, lovely mate, depictions. That's why I turned feast. vegetarian out the guilt. <laughs> oh, right. They have big feasts. Okay, phew. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. worried there. Yeah. And I just know that an acorn's not going to taste as good as it's described, but. <laughs> Probably not. All right. So our final question comes from AH7689 via Discord. Not sure if anyone noticed this, but the whereabouts of the cow is still unknown. If Vimes continued his Ankh Morpork version, where would he eventually find the cow? And where would there be clues? And so there's a follow up comment from Sally Star. I like that this question is basically just, where is my cow? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, imagining this question is coming out of the Discworld, like in a roundabout way, going, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, I feel like we kind of ruined this by deciding that we know where the cow is. It's on the cover. <laughs> but in the Ankh Morpork version of the story mm. where he's looking for a cow, except in the Ankh Morpork version, he's abandoned the search for the cow. He's looking for his dad. Yeah. But where would you find a cow? I I think, I think. I, I came up with like a headcanon for this myself. Um, Vimes would be, because in this, in this case, Sam, young Sam is asking for the cow. Mm. Yeah. And Vimes is going out to find the cow because he is a good father and wants to fulfill the whim of his child. Um, but he's following some clues like her prints, whatever, but really fully expecting to find the cow and like the output of an abattoir mm. because it's Angmorpog. However, because this is a nice B plot for young Sam and not like a moral lesson, mm. Nobby and Colin would in fact have it in the break room at the watch house uh, because Nobby saw it, felt strained affinity and rescued him. Mm. Yeah, Perfect. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the best I can. And maybe it. it lives, it becomes a member of the watch. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Becomes a member of the watch or like goes to live with the dragons in the sanctuary. One of the two. They've got yeah. stables at at least one of the watch houses. So his book, Where's yeah. My Cow? Downstairs with our dragons. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> very short. Hmm? <laughs> uh, but I love it. Ends up with him at home. This would be a better species for a constable cuddy, surely. Mm. Oh. Got the, yeah. I'm very proud of that. The well done, Francie. Yeah, okay, good, right. Yeah. Very good. Sorry, sorry. Very yeah. Good. I, I was just thinking to myself, do cows chew? No, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. No, you're all right. I think it. You're onto it. You're onto it. I feel like some of the dwarfs might nickname it cuddy, and then if Detritus finds mm. out, he'd be very upset. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's oh, it. now I'm upset because I miss mm. cuddy. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. No, I'm not really upset. I'm sad. Francine's version of events is actually very close to an official one. Terry received a letter from a child who was worried about the cow and gave some official answers. You'll find a link to those in our episode notes. But the short version, Nobby found it and it's living at the watch house. But that, that kind of brings us to the end. Thank you, everyone who's sending questions. And thank you, Joe and Francine, for joining us. What a fun weird book to uh, collaborate with you about yeah <laughs> um, i like how many tangents we can go off on even on a 17 yeah. page book about a cow that's good and there were more we could have done more yeah but i think we've broken our tangent to page record 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to work this out mathematically now. <laughs> no, no, don't. <laughs> That's going to be upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll put it on a big chart and figure that out. Um, if people want to find out more, I mean, obviously, you're here because you, uh, well, because we like you and you're very fun, but you also have your own podcast, as we mentioned, The Truth Shall Make You Fret. Um, now, what book is your, where are you up to now as we record this in sort of late November 2022? What's what's next for you? We're going to start the Amazing Morris in December. Yeah, yeah. that comes out next this week. Is one of my absolute favourites. I'm going to. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm so excited. Yeah, Joe's been looking forward to this for like three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I now you've timed this to tie in to the film, haven't you? It's very yes. clever of you. I guessed it was coming out in December, back in January, and I was right. Yep. I think we're at the stage where we still don't know when we'll be able to see it in Australia yet. Um, because oh. oh. it's not quite announced where it's going to be streaming outside of the UK, but fingers crossed. While we still don't know where and when it'll be streaming in Australia, The Amazing Maurice does have a cinema release date here, the 12th of January 2023. And if you're really quick and listen to this episode immediately after it comes out, you might be able to get to a preview screening in Adelaide, which is raising funds for the Australian Discworld Convention on the 10th of December. Put the details in our episode notes. Can't wait to hear what you think about the book. If people want to find out more about your podcast, where should they go to find you? All good podcast suppliers, yep. I would say. <laughs> uh, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're also at Manky Fret Pod on Twitter while Twitter still exists. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I was uh, going to say, like, mm. <laughs> if Twitter still exists by the time this episode yeah. comes out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it will. Um, um, but if it doesn't, where else should they go? Got TikTok, got Reddit, got a yeah. Tumblr. Got a TikTok. We have a TikTok. Yeah. There you go. We're uh, we're very yeah, modern. If you just search the truth shall make you fret. We're we're a few of the Google responses now, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> we're semi ubiquitous. We'll link to the your website, etc., in our episode notes as well. Thank you. Oh yeah, we have a website. <laughs> oh yeah, the truth shall make dot com. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Grand. That's it. If you've enjoyed this, please let us know. And we'd like to thank especially our subscribers for this episode because we've got so many of our good questions from them, but also some listeners on Twitter and elsewhere. Thank you. We always enjoy doing these sort of weirder, sillier spin-off books. It's a good time. And we'll be back in January, Liz, for Pratchett 63. 63. Um, oh my God. I know. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, it's been a long time <laughs> that we've been doing this. But for January, we've decided to extend our third trilogy into a tetralogy. Yes, we are going to be reading a short story, A Collegiate Casting Out of Devilish Devices, starring our own favourite accountant, Mr. A.E. Pesimal. And joining us again will be Matt Roden, because we're also going to try and get to some more of those thud questions that you sent in that were so good. Don't send us any more for Thud, but if you have got questions about a collegiate casting out of devilish devices, Pratchat63 is the hashtag, if there is still such a thing as a hashtag. Well, we can use them on Instagram. It's okay. <laughs> That's true. You can use them on Instagram, or you just send us an email, chat at pratchatpodcast.com, or wherever else you can find us. And or you can subscribe to help support the podcast, which means you can get on our Discord. But until next time, remember... The real cow was the friends you made along the way. You've been listening to Pratchett, the monthly Terry Pratchett Book Club podcast with Pratchetters Elizabeth Flux, Ben McKenzie, that's me, and guests Joanna Hagen and Francine Carroll. 
Pratchett is produced and edited by me, with music by David Ashton of Sample and Hold Studios. You can find us on Twitter, for now, Instagram and Facebook at Pratchett Podcast, and listen to past episodes and support the production of new ones via PratchettPodcast.com. Join the conversation for this episode using the hashtag Pratchat62. Pratchat is brought to you by Splendid Chaps Productions. We make entertainment for your ears, like the Doctor Who podcast Splendid Chaps and time travel comedy series Night Terrace. To find out more, visit SplendidChaps.com. <laughs> Beautiful. I think that was all right. That was an excellent ending. Oh, that was so fun. Wonderful.